0: Okay, before I get to my next guest, John Hughes, I want to remind you about the folks over at Adele Golf. Power and precision. Adele Golf's SMS and SMS Pro irons offer the ultimate in iron adjustability. Featuring the revolutionary swing match weighting technology, precisely dial in each iron to your swing by moving the heaviest weight to its optimal position for maximum performance. Learn more about them by going to adelegolf.com. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speedbolt at squares.com. That's Dot com. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors in our game, and that's John Hughes. John earned his business degree at Appalachian State. He's been teaching the game for almost 30 years. He's worked with everyone from beginners all the way up to tour pros. John is one of the very few PGA Master Professionals and a top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. John was named a 2023 North Florida PGA Section Teacher of the Year. The Golf Range Association of America named him a Top 100 Growth of the Game Instructor. And in 2013, he won the Horton Smith Award for his dedication to education for all golfers. He is the Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section. And I had the privilege of meeting John in person this year at the PGA Merchandise Show. And I'm very excited that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, John, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Chris, my pleasure. Appreciate the opportunity. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you at the show this year. Glad we were able to bump into each other.
0: Yeah, me too. John, I, I, I got to tell you, being there with you at the show and getting to spend some time with you, obviously that was great. I, but I wanted to get your perspective of the show and and during your travels around the, around the floor. Anything really jump out at you? Anything new really capture your attention?
1: Not necessarily something new as much as uh, the show does have some life again after the pandemic last year. People were concerned about that. And I think we saw some steady growth. Uh, there's nothing better than face to face contact with whether it's a, a product, a, a person, a service. And, and I think that was alive and well at the PGA show this year. And I, I think it it bodes well for the future. I don't think we'll ever be the same size as we were say 10 to 15 years ago, but I think there was a lot more business done on the floor. That's at least what my friends and my vendors told me. Uh, They got more out of the entire experience. For me personally, I was able to see uh, some newer things. Uh, The biggest newer thing was some uh, video and and sports box who have been doing business with for a while, uh, actually getting to see them and talk to them about what's coming in the future. The the real key that I saw was there were more people there, there was more interactions, there was more engagement, and I think we're going to see that going forward.
0: John, the main topic of discussion around the game right now is the, the roll the ball back idea, the USGA and the RNA talking about that. Your thoughts, is that something that we need to do? I'm not as up on
1: it as some others, uh, and I can see both sides of the story. We we certainly have some golf courses such as Oakmont, who has had to put a lot of investment in there. I'm sure Mr. Ford knows that and has seen it, just so they can keep up with the golf ball. And there's others that will eventually get out of play for a major tournament, or for for that matter, maybe even just a corn fairy event. So I can certainly see that side. I can also see the player side that why are we going to play something different as well as the manufacturers and the amount of money they have to spend to produce a product that might not be available to the general public. My gut feeling is there needs to be some type of rule and or policy uh, such as the one ball rule. That was put into play almost 50 years ago that allows the current golf ball manufacturers to continue the progress they're making for the people that Tom and I and Mr. Ford teach on a day in, day out basis, while at the same time, the elite, the 1% of the 1%, can still play it yet keep courses that keep courses from becoming obsolescent uh i think it's i'm happy the usga and ra has a still has a little bit of discussion going on with this but it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out at the end of the day i think you can make golf courses tougher for anyone by growing the rough up bringing the fairways in and making the golf course putting surfaces tougher to putt and hold and we see that time in and time out with the world's best i think that's the ultimate negator that's the ultimate neutralizer whether they roll the ball back or not
0: it's interesting you mentioned for the elite player and that's one of the things that i've been sort of scratching my head about john is at what point do you cross the elite line because like for even for you as a pga professional you could go out and qualify to play in the pga championship where is elite is elite when if you're playing college golf is it elite once you turn pro do you guys as PGA professionals, are you guys elite because you could play in a PGA championship? What do you think that line is?
1: Great question. I have this discussion with my clientele all the time. For, for me, it's a level of commitment that's beyond what you've been accustomed to doing. Uh, and that elite level hopefully matures as you mature as a golfer. Uh, meaning, yeah, the first part of elite might be you're playing collegiately. If you've never played at that level before, it could be you're jumping from college to the professional ranks. And then from the professional ranks, you're climbing the ladder to the PJ Tour, you're playing the majors. Uh, ha- having been a professional athlete in another sport, I can tell you elite does more. Uh, metamorphosized to a certain degree based on your commitment level and how far you want to take it. So elite, a lot of times, is more in the eye of the beholder, the golfer who's trying to reach the the next plateau. For a coach, it's helping that person get there and understanding what it takes to get there, uh, supporting your player to get there, pushing them when they need a little nudge. But most importantly, continuing it, continue to educate them to understand, look, your level of lead isn't really what you're talking about. What you're talking about is the next level. Here's what needs to be done. Are you ready to do it? And if that person's ready to do it, great. If they're not, that's okay. And I think that's a great lesson for anybody listening tonight. Your level of lead is based on where you're trying to get to elite when we're talking about rolling the ball back, just think of that as the best of the best, the 1% of the 1%, which takes a whole nother level of commitment that most of us just aren't ready to take.
0: John, one of the other things I was talking to Bob Ford about early on in the conversation is the role of the PGA professional and the demands on your time. And it feels like that has changed a lot over the last 10 to 15 years. That work life balance is is becoming more and more challenging for the PGA professional. Do you see that going on with you and your peers?
1: Absolutely, uh, more so with my peers. I work for myself and and when I've tried to bring people on board to take some of my overflow, that is the number one subject matter as I'm interviewing somebody is what what's the balance and what we're experiencing now on a global scale with the pga is our ability to recruit but more importantly retain current golf professionals or current pga associates because of work-life balance It seems to be really the buzz phrase out there now Uh, as an association we're trying to do everything we can to understand it based on who's who's coming in as an associate whether It's gender-based or age-based or any other base. What does that balance look like? And we're trying to listen as best we can, but I I did catch that conversation. And I think somebody does have to be realistic when they enter the professional, being a golf professional, particularly PGA professional. There's no such thing in the middle of Pennsylvania as a 40-hour work week in the middle of july for me in the middle of january february there is no such thing as a 40 hour work week there are ways of balancing your life Uh, i think over time generations have a different point of view and a different different definition it's a matter of how flexible how much on the move our entire industry could be not just the pga to understand what balance means today Not necessarily tomorrow, while at the same time instilling some of the values of yesterday into tomorrow's professionals.
0: John, you've worked with guys and gals at elite levels all the way up to the PGA and the LPGA tours. And the game of golf is so fickle. One day you're Matthew Fitzpatrick and you're winning the US Open. The next day you're Matthew Fitzpatrick and you've missed four of your last six cuts. When you're working with players on the tour level, how razor thin is the difference between winning and not making the cut?
1: It, it is extremely razor thin. I could not describe it any better. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the people you're not watching Thursdays and Fridays trying to make the cut and having an understanding of what they're going through to make a cut uh, on a Matthew Fitzpatrick level. It The razor thinness could mean the difference between the ball moves one dimple forward, one dimple back in their ball position. It can make a major difference in how they're striking the ball. It could also, a razor thin difference could be the distractions off the golf course that could be taking effect with them. Uh, What a lot of people don't realize is those guys and gals put their clothes on the same way you and I do. They have emotions just like you and I do. They have trained themselves to understand what it takes to get on the other side of that razor's edge. And it can't be done every day. It it, it's sort of like you can't please everybody. You're just trying to please the vast majority when it comes to the service business. When it comes to playing golf, you have to please a lot more than just the vast majority, meaning most of your shots have got to be in a position where opportunities are constantly in front of you and you're seizing the moment you're seizing that opportunity sometimes that opportunity is just making a par to make a cut and that's that's what a lot of amateurs don't realize is that par is of such great value out there that's not the measuring stick though it's what you're able to do beyond it that really allows you to succeed and and be consistently successful on the tour. And and it takes a lot of effort. It takes a team, but most importantly, it does take a lot of commitment, just as as much commitment as someone would make to their child when they're first born. I mean, I hate to make an analogy like that, but that's what it takes. It, It literally takes that kind of commitment to get over that razor's edge.
0: John, I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you tonight. And for those of us that live north of the Florida border and it's just now starting to get warm enough outside for us to break the clubs out and get back out on the course, is there a, something that you recommend? How do we build our, our swings back up and get ready for a new golf season without hurting ourselves because maybe we haven't been able to play for three, four, five months?
1: I think I know better with you. I think I've seen some <laughs> pictures of you sneaking out, which is good. And <laughs> I would start right there, that you got to sneak out every time you can. And whether it's stretching, swinging the club in the backyard or in the garage, anything to keep connected to the sport and keep connected to your swing is a major ordeal. I get so many people to want to come to a golf school with me now And I'll normally ask them the first day during lunch, why didn't you come back in October, November, when you could have worked indoors on all these new things you want to learn and you would have been prepped for the spring. And a lot of people don't think about that, but that is for the players a little bit more committed to their game, probably a better pathway to take. I think the other thing I tell people, particularly at the beginning of the season is leave your expectations at the door. Uh, just because you did it last year doesn't mean you're going to do it this year. you got to ask yourself how and why did you get it done last year and start repeating some of those steps. The the real key, let's just keep par in play. And you have, you probably have your own personal par based on what your average score is or what your average drive is or what your average club from 150. You You've got to understand that it's going to take a little bit to get the dust off to get the rust out of the bones and the skeletal muscular system. It's gonna take a little bit to get the depth of touch back with your short game and, and putting. And when you've got expectations, the patient's level's almost slim to none. Leave those expectations at the door. Surprise yourself with some aha moments of things that you accomplished last year, but they just happen because you're not trying to do them. You're just allowing them to happen. And take an inventory as you're doing it, that inventory is going to help you get much further down the road quicker to what your goals might or might not be for this year.
0: John, in your March newsletter, you talk about delaying impact. Walk us through what you mean by that.
1: Sure. What most amateur, and I I appreciate you looking at that, at least I know somebody is Basically, what an amateur does is they release the club very early, whether it's with the wrists, whether it's with the trail side of the body, whether it's with just trying to get the ball airborne, they lose their impact position. They lose the leverage that allows the ball to fly straight and far. So by delaying impact with the better player, with the more elite player, that could mean that the trail hand in the case of the right hand or the right hand, the palm is actually delaying and facing the ground a little bit longer than normal for the average amateur. That palm facing the ground probably is happening about midway down where a really good player is keeping that palm facing the ground a lot longer. It could mean that your trail shoulder for the right hand or the right shoulder, the left hand or left shoulder is staying behind allowing the hips to clear and get out in front and that the shoulder staying behind and staying behind the golf ball it could mean some people are love to use the towel or the head cover tucked underneath their armpit or underneath their elbow that is a way of delaying impact the real key here is trying to keep loft integrity meaning if the club is 28 degrees trying to keep it at 28 degrees Let's not make a 60-degree wedge 72 degrees. And also, let's keep the club square enough where you can control the trajectory that way. Being able to delay impact literally provides you more leverage, should produce a more square golf club, should produce a lot less, quote-unquote, side spin or axis tilt to the spin, and in turn, should reduce your dispersion and have you hitting it just that
0: little bit long. And John, a moment ago, you mentioned ball position. Talk about the effect that that can have on our drives. How can we use ball position sort of in an advantageous way for ourselves? If we need to hit a draw, we need to hit a fade. And obviously when we want to hit it straight down the middle of the fairway.
1: Yeah, I've got to start with some common faults. I see with a lot of golfers when they hear about putting the ball forward in their stance. I'll see some golfers who shoot as low as say 85 put the ball so far out in front of them almost outside of their feet that the club path has nowhere else to go but across them to the left for the right hander to the right for the left hander that's going to shut face down you're going to have to find a way to keep it open you are either going to mother hook it left or hit this really big block high fade uh ball position to hit the draw yeah you've got to have it forward but not too much forward more not as much as you think but actually teeing it higher is going to help you hit that draw whereas when the ball is low to the ground your eyes are telling your brain hey go go down after that thing but the driver isn't made to do that so you will create a little bit more outside and you will create a little bit more fade regardless of which side of the ball you're standing on by teeing it up a little bit lower uh the the ball position is, I agree with you, it's a, it's a fickle thing with a lot of people. If they can just find a standard, I talk about this a lot, what is your standard? You know, can we find a standard ball position that allows you to hit it as straight as possible for you and as long as possible for you? And then when it comes time, knowing how to alter that standard, whether you're teaming the ball up higher or lower, Moving it slightly forward to hit the draw, maybe putting it a little bit back from the stance to hit the fade, but then understanding the other setup positions that allow that to happen.
0: John, before long, you're gonna be back up at Macklemore again for your summer home, if you will. Talk about your summer golf school that you conduct up there.
1: Oh, uh, it's a thanks for asking. It's I fell in love with Macklemore last year when invited up there by Charlie Reimer, both of our a friend of both of ours. Macklemore is such a special place, and and the improvements and the additions they're making up there are just going to be out of this world, rock solid. People can visit me up there for one to one, two to one, four to one. I'm starting a book, believe it or not, an eight to one here shortly, where you can visit me for as many many days as you wish. It's all inclusive of accommodations, instruction, eighteen holes of on course instruction two meals at the award-winning Craig restaurant. Uh, I, I could probably die in that restaurant of something. <laughs> uh, the food's just incredible. The service is just out of this world. Uh, I would put it up there with the best of the best from a service standpoint of view. And the it's so secluded. That might be a, a negative for it right now, but it's so secluded. The nights, the, you can't beat the starry sky nights there with, no light noise, no road noise. And, and you just sort of look out over Macklemore Cove on 18 and just wonder how in the world did, did I get here? It's just a fantastic golf course with fantastic people. The golf schools are there to just help you get better at golf while enjoying, to me, one of the best kept secrets in American golf. How, how more people don't know about this, uh, I'm not sure.
0: So you got to talk about the 18th hole. I've, I've seen some of your videos. And one of the things that, that has struck me that the two times that I've played up there, I've hit the drive of my life on 18 a couple of times. But that uphill to that green when left and long are off the mountain, that's an unbelievable perspective. It's a little intimidating. I got to be honest with you. It's a little intimidating well, to have hit a great shot and then try to hit that next one.
1: That's when you got to bring the ropes and the clamp-ons with you and uh, the <laughs> shoe spikes so you can climb down the cliff. Uh, but it, it is a great hole. Most people see this hole and immediately want to hit a draw. And if you hit the draw and hit the wrong part of the hill on the other side of the rock outcroppings, you are searching for your ball in Macklemore Cove. It's a, it's a fader's golf course, and that's best played with a fade. Uh, and it leaves you a very makeable second shot, any anywhere between, say, 100 to 160. I've, I've played that hole several times. I haven't had much more in than, say, an 8-iron. And with it going uphill, a lot of people don't understand that you're probably going to come up short. You're underestimating the elevation. And from the bottom of that fairway to just the top of the front part of the green, is roughly 23, 24 feet of elevation. It might not feel that way. It might not see that way. It's going to play two clubs shorter most of the time. So going over the green, I don't see too many people do that unless they way over club or they pull it. I've seen a lot of, a lot of them go left to that green, but very few go long. Luckily, Bill Bergen, Reese Jones did a great job of beveling that green back into the fairway. I've seen more balls roll off that green than I have rolled through, but I will tell you this, there's no better vista to end a round of golf almost anywhere in the U.S. than on that 18th green. You get the cameras out. doesn't matter what time of day. You just sit there on that green and look at what's out there and take the pictures, and you've made some memories for a lifetime.
0: Yeah, you yeah. have. John, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Follow you on your website and over social media as well.
1: Well, it's real easy. I thought this out very soon as when I started my business, John Hughes Golf. Put an ampersand, a hashtag, whatever it is in front of there, or a .com at the end. And that's the best way to find me. If you're interested in joining me at Macklemore, there's still some limited spots available. You can go to macklemoregolfschool.com. All the details are right there. And I do hope you join me. And Chris, it's been a little while since I've been on this program. I hope we don't have as big a hiatus next time, but between now and the next time I'm on, I appreciate the opportunity, appreciate what you do for golf through the podcast and and best of luck to you through twenty twenty-three.
0: I appreciate that very much, Don. We will certainly do it a lot sooner. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes up at Macklemore. So right around that time, let's get back together. Let's hear how things are going and and uh catch up on all the great things that you're doing for for your students. And then obviously uh the great things you're doing up there at Macklemore as well. So we look forward to hearing your report.
1: We may have to have you up there to do the podcast from up there, walling.
0: I like that idea. All right, let's make that
1: happen. <laughs> Absolutely, thanks, Chris.
0: Thank you, John. All the best you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks. That is John Hughes and folks. There's only a handful of instructors out there that can say that they are a master professional, and by a handful, I almost literally mean a handful that have reached that level. And John Hughes is one of those guys. Um, getting to spend some time with him at the PGA merchandise show. Was fantastic getting to know John a little bit. Uh, was great and uh, and certainly look, Macklemore is a great place. You hear me? You hear me bragging about it every single week. John got up there for a reason, right? Not just because it's new and beautiful and the golf course is great, because of the level of instruction that he provides to students. And you come back because that was so great the first time around. They wanted to have him back a second time around. So that tells you all you need to know about how great of an instructor John Hughes is. Folks, you got to go out there and follow him. I promise you, we'll get him back on the show again real soon. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Jack Curry, I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under, men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R dot Two Under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course. So, make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scony changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So, spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So, next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's skoni.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and Greengrass Pro Shops nationwide. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Two Under and one of the founders of the Skoni brand, Jack Curry. Jack has been in sales, marketing, licensing, and consulting for about 40 years. Much of that time has been in the golf, sporting goods, footwear, and apparel sectors. As you guys have heard me say over the years on this show, Two Under is the very best underwear and T-shirts that I have ever worn. Their fabrics are soft and comfortable. Their styles are fun and look great. Every season they come out with new and fun styles that I look forward to. The Sconey Golf Shoe brand is a great new shoe that you can wear on or off the golf course. They are so cool that they won Best in Show at the PGA Merchandise Show this year. And I'm very honored to have Jack back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jack, thanks for coming back on the show.